I don't know why it took me until now, but yesterday we did a show, Best Ball Bros, myself, just kind of talking about life, liberty, and the pursuit of millions of dollars in best ball tournaments. And we dove into a little bit of the skill of drafting, right? We spend all summer, all year talking about different st- zero RB and robust RB and how many tight ends should I take and when should I take my quarterback? Do I need an elite quarterback? All those different things. We never talk about the skill of planning out your draft, being on the clock on a 30 second, you know, pick timer and all those different things. So today that's what we're going to get into how to be a good drafter, how to develop that skill, all of those different things drafting the actual point of everything that we're doing drafting let's do it Shout out Tony, handling uh, handling the phrase that shall not be named. That's what we're gonna call it. This phrase is the Voldemort of this channel. So do what he says. If you watched yesterday, if you have, if, if that doesn't make any sense to you, go watch yesterday's Best Ball Bros episode or listen to it on uh, your favorite podcast feed. We went in depth on the. Uh, Phrase that shall not be named. And this is funny. Sean Sean says, are you drafting any Denzel Mims? This year, just saw a video of him catching a pass. Isn't it funny where we're at right now? Um, the different stuff that like people are going to latch onto. And it's like almost all worthless. But anything we see, there was, it's so funny you bring up Denzel Mims because, uh, I saw something about a beat, a local beat for the Jets was like, this is the make or break gear for Denzel Mims. I'm like, what the fuck do you mean make or break gear? He's not even going to get on the field. <laughs> so I guess, I mean, I guess that is technically make or break, but like, you know, we're just in, in the, like, th- there is no actual news. There is no actual news. A hundred percent. We're starving for real football, as Tony says, like, we need something. I mean, we need like training camp is total bullshit in the first place. Most of the stuff that happens at training camp is like useless. Um, Really quick. I'm looking down. You, You see me looking down. I'm looking at my phone. The first rule of this show that we're going to dive into is don't be a fucking idiot and get into a, a, a draft on DraftKings uh, without enough time to finish it before a stream starts. So I just made my uh, – ho- hopefully nobody watching this is in the draft with me. I just made my uh, 16th round pick. I just made my 16th round pick in a DraftKings draft. So I have 
No, 17th round pick. I have three more picks in a DraftKings $5 draft because I'm an idiot and started one. Um, <laughs> uh, clearly with not enough uh, runway before we got to this point. So tip number one, how to be a good drafter. Don't fucking start a draft too close to when you're going to like go live on YouTube or like join a work meeting because guess what? You're going to screw up your picks. So don't do what I did. That's the number one. That's the number one rule. Um, but we are absolutely starving, starving for real football. As GA says, I saw a video of Dalvin Cook lined up out wide. That did. That was one that made the rounds. The uh, and, and the underdog account um, also tweeted it out. That, uh, and, and it's so funny how these things get framed, too. Like how the people reporting the bullshit news frame it also ends up super important right because like like however roto world um words their blurb or however the reporter like all he's doing is saying the vikings had dalvin lined up out wide occasionally which he didn't do before which is like i guess a boost it's like really negligible at best right but it's like interesting but the reporter phrases it in a way that basically says Dalvin Cook lined up at receiver. We should expect a big uptick in his receiving work this year. And so everybody's like, oh, shit, Dalvin's going to catch a lot more passes. That means this X, Y, Z, whatever. And it's like, I mean, that's not what that means. First of all, he lined up out wide, like probably for like two reps of a train of a of a May OTA practice or whatever. I didn't. Even, I didn't read it. To, to be fair, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sp- ruining my brain reading that. But you know what I mean. It's like however they phrase it, and they put their insight into it, and it it like changes fantasy. I'm not saying this specific example did, but that happens. Look at like C.D. Lamb last year. We saw like we all probably wanted to be in on C.D. Lamb as it was. We as a collective industry, not necessarily you guys. I was very much in on CD lamb, but then like we memed him into the late second round because there's videos and photos. Like there's photos and he's like straight jacked, right? He's probably like 2% body fat. And then uh, videos of him making like one handed catches and all this bullshit in camp. And we just like meme him into oblivion. And it's like, all this stuff is so stupid. Um, Paul says, is USFL still a thing, I think? I don't know. I haven't watched the game. I don't know. I don't know any. I, I It was something I had considered, you know, spending some time on. And I'll tell you, I'm very happy that I did not. I don't know. A, a single player, you notice uh, some of the influencers are uh, that were that were fired up for USFL. Pete, good old, our, our friend, Peter Overset. I don't see him tweeting about USFL anymore or doing USFL content. Levitan was uh, disparaging on uh, DraftKings for not having USFL content. Haven't seen haven't seen much going on with that. Shout out to like Cody Main and Justin Freeman and these guys grinding the USFL. Uh, I respect them and appreciate them, but uh, I think the USFL was a straight 
straight disaster. See, now I'm about to be on the clock. <laughs> on the clock. And I'm at the turn, so I have to make two picks. This is just the worst. And I have to take, I think I have to take running backs. Which is just makes it even worse. I have to siphon through these god fucking awful late round running backs. So I just drafted Deonta Foreman. I'm just letting you guys you guys are getting a real live look into <clears throat> complete nonsense. And then, you know, we're gonna have some fun. We're gonna take Valus Jones. I'm excited for Valus Jones because the entire fantasy football industry has just shit on this dude. Everyone hates. It's so funny. It's so funny. Everyone hates this this particular third round pick, right? We we do the whole dog and pony show before the NFL draft, where people say like, "Oh, landing spot doesn't matter. Draft capital matters." You know, like people do all these things and talk about you know, what matters, what doesn't matter, whatever. And then the draft happens and it's like, oh, John Mechie went before all these wide receivers. I don't care. I don't care about him. Sky Moore, seventh round pick. John Mechie, who went before all these guys to a spot where there's probably more targets available. Yes, of course, they're not the ceiling and all of that doesn't exist like it does in Kansas City. Maybe. But nope. Throw him out the door. It's Sky Moore season. It's fucking Jalen Tolbert season. It's it's David Bell. And like I love I I also like David Bell and Jalen Tolbert and Sky Moore. But like it's so funny once this all gets here. Like, oh Opportunity matters for this person, but it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter for John Mechie, and it doesn't matter for Valus Jones because we don't like those. We didn't like those prospects, and they but they got the draft capital, particularly Mechie, Jahan Dotson. Nope, don't like it. Don't care. Landing spot is everything for Jahan Dotson. Couldn't possibly be Justin Jefferson 2.0, who we didn't like the landing spot for. We didn't, you know, and had a clear path to the wide receiver too. On a team. Quarterback we're not excited about. Nope. Fuck that guy. So I'm excited for these dudes. I'm going to be drafting all... Give me all the rookie wide receivers that everybody hates. I would bet on one of them being way, way, way better than expected. So drafting. Now that I've wasted 10 minutes of your time so if you um at the top i talked about the episode yesterday the show yesterday best ball bros every wednesday at this time if you haven't watched those i i do i do highly recommend them it's my kind of favorite show of the week to do and it's 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 been up until this point me just interviewing different influencers if you will from across the fantasy football landscape so uh tony who is in in the chat was on an episode winner of the DraftKings kings millie maker last year liam 
Murphy, winner of Best Ball Mania 2, was on. Justin Herzig, winner of Best Ball Mania 1, and established the run. Um, analyst, Peter Overzet, Rob Coakley, Rich Rebar, Josh Norris, Hayden Winks, have all come on. And we talk, of course, some about fantasy sports, fantasy football, best ball, of course. But we also like it's an opportunity for me selfishly and for you guys to get to know these people. Like, like I had an absolute blast talking to Josh. Josh is one of the most recent ones. Um, Josh Norris from underdog. And it was like, just hearing him talk about his experiences, like working for an NFL team and like his, like, how the hell he got to where he is from working for the St. Louis Rams <laughs> and then for NBC and now for underdog and all, you know, and the mock draft thing and like all that and hearing real stories and stuff from these guys background is, uh, is awesome and getting to know everybody a little bit more. And so that's the Wednesday show. But what came up on yesterday's Wednesday show is it was actually like the first question. So I did a solo episode to talk, to, to let um, let everybody kind of get to know me a little bit better. If I'm going to ask you to come hang out on this freaking channel uh, and, and hang out in our community and listen to my nonsense five days a week, figured I could do my part too. And so the one of the first questions that came up, shout out David for asking this question, David in the chat was like, what do you do when like you're in a draft room and his, his specific example was there's one guy, one guy took nine quarterbacks. He's like, how, what do you, what do you do? Like, how do you handle these uh, a room that is so crazy and off the wall? And, like, you obviously, there's value elsewhere, but you still need to get your quarterback, right? And I, I likened it to, like, being in a ship-chasing room, if you, if you are familiar with um, the ship-chasing guys, where it's going to be really wide receiver heavy. The best pick in every round is going to be a running back, basically. You know? And so, uh, it's probably worse with the quarterback thing, but it just, like, hit me when David asked that question and we talked, we all, you know, the the chat and, and, and I talked about it for quite a while because what it came down to was the skill of executing a draft. And it was like, why the fuck don't we ever talk about that part of it? Ever. It's like you – because you can know every strategy. You can know all the historical data. You can know your projections. You can know your week 17 matchups. You can know everything. Ad advance rates. You can know all of that stuff. But if you can't get in the in a room in in every room and successfully implement all of this stuff, 
into that team and draft a team that gives you a shot, let's say on underdog, for instance, if you can't get into any room and draft a team that gives you a shot at winning the $2 million first prize, what is the fucking point of knowing, of understanding zero RB? Like, congratulations, you understand zero running back and you understand, you know, historical win rates, but you get in the draft and you can't implement any of these strategies effectively in every room that you're in, right? You know, you got all the week 17 matchups memorized, but you're not good at putting them together in the draft. So who cares? It's the number one most important skill that we can have. And so first is, I think, like, how do you even develop that skill? And the first thing for me is very clear and obvious, and it's just practice. <laughs> like, honestly, if if I go, uh, look at that. Look at this, Kyle. Shout out to Kyle. Fucking nailed it. Literally, your comment came in right as the words are coming out of my mouth. So shout out to Kyle. But Kyle says, the best way to learn is to just draft a shit ton of teams. And I totally agree. I couldn't agree more. Why draft like these pre, you know, pre NFL draft teams? Why draft at the beginning of May? Right. Even if you believe, you know, there's data out there, right. That's like, oh, the best time to draft is close to the season and blah, 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 which whatever, that's fine. Um, I don't really have any argument if you believe that drafting late is the best time to do it. But you're there is a natural attrition to your teams once you start drafting because your first team or first X amount of teams, it's like anything in life, right? Like when I started doing this crazy best ball content, the very first uh, show I did was this spike week stuff. Spike week did not exist. I just, started doing streams underneath the roto grinders right so i work for roto grinders roto grinders is a part of a you know a part of better collective who's my employer spike week is a part of better collective i just like started firing up streams talking about whatever shit last year yes trey lance the 49ers were the first uh, spoiler alert the 49ers were the first um like video that i did and a first of all i don't think i'm good at this <laughs> Now, period. Anyway, but I was really fucking bad before. Awful. And the only way for me to even like start to feel comfortable, right? At least now I've reached the point where I feel comfortable just like firing up the stream and talking to you guys. Then I didn't. <laughs> I didn't feel comfortable. So I not only was I not good, I didn't feel comfortable doing it. And so... You just keep doing it. As Kyle says, the only way to learn is to just keep doing it. And drafting is 100% that way. You can't learn the different pockets of the draft. You can't learn how certain rooms may like change, right? You can't learn what a, what happens in a, in a, a wide receiver heavy room, like ship chasing. You can't learn the quarterback thing. There's some, 
slapdick on auto draft, taking nine quarterbacks and how to still make a good team, right? We talked about this yesterday. And that like, basically what I said was you can like sit back and laugh at those guys. The auto drafters taking nine quarterbacks. because like, oh, ha ha. He paid the rake. His team is drawing dead. But if you don't capitalize on it and you st- and and your quarterbacks are Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, guess what? You're paying the fucking rake too. <laughs> you know? Like you still have to be able to draft a team that has a chance at two million dollars. And not even just a team like to advance out of your group. You still need to draft a team that can win two million. Like, how do you take it? Like, I want that dude in my draft. The guy he's obviously he's dead money. He's paying the rake. So I want that dude in my draft. But I have to be a skillful enough drafter to manipulate the fact that he's fucking the whole player pool up. I still have to get good quarter. I still have to get quarterbacks that make sense on my team and have upside and all of that, right? I can't just be like, oh, ha, look at this. If you post a screenshot, you know, it's the 13th round. You don't have a quarterback yet. You post the screenshot on Twitter and has, you got all this sick value, bro. Look at all these guys I got way after ADP. Well, yeah, you got all these dudes after ADP because dumb dick next to you was drafting, you know, nine quarterbacks in the first 10 rounds. But your team sucks too because you don't have any quarterbacks. All the rest of that value doesn't matter if you don't have quarterbacks that can score points. And so that skill part is everything. None of this other shit matters if we don't have the skill. And so how do you get it? As Kyle says, draft. And I agree with this. I've actually been, I've been, I haven't been on, so I've done 25 best ball mania, three teams. I had fully expected to have done more of those teams by now, but DraftKings launched, well, all their contests, but they launched this $5 Millie maker. And it's like the, perfect contest to just hone your skills and it kind of the the second step to this is you need to draft to develop the ability to draft right practice makes perfect but the process of doing the drafts so like i created rankings on spikeweek.com shameless plug I have underdog rankings. I have DraftKings rankings. I have drafters rankings all up there. I have top 250 overall for all of them and positional rankings that are tiered, right? I create those. I created those rankings just like I I kind of think everyone should. You can use like my rankings if you prefer establish the run, what, you know, somewhere else. Obviously, use ours. But if you don't, you can use that you can you can still use that baseline and tweak it from there but you don't I, you, there's no chance you know exactly how your ranking should be until you do a bunch of drafts because you need to be you need to have your feet put to the fire on who you want to select and once once like that decision come, it's not just as simple as i have these rankings up I take the, the 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 player there. It's not that simple. People might think that it is, but you don't. You there. You absolutely do not know until you do a bunch of drafts. 
I have guys I'm moving up. I haven't made updates yet, but I have guys I'm moving up because you get on the clock and you're like, so I'll, I'll, I'll teaser Hollywood Brown, Marquise Hollywood Brown. I keep getting on the clock on DraftKings and I see who's available there. And I'm like, man, I fucking love that week 17 game. I, I love how easy it is to get the stack with Kyler. I'm playing really heavy for week 17 on DraftKings. Hollywood is a monster upside guy for me this year and in and in those playoff weeks. Kyler is a smash quarterback for me. He's my number two overall quarterback. And you're like, I just keep hitting the Hollywood button. And it's like my rankings actually don't say <laughs> that I should hit Hollywood as much as I am. But I... I'm doing it because when my feet get put to the fire in my, I've done like 35 of the $5 drafts and it's like, okay, I need to move Hollywood up. Right. Darnell Mooney, another guy that came up in, um, in the, in the discord the other day, I see the lions matchup in week 17 at a very, very cheap price on DraftKings, and I keep clicking that button. And I'm like, hmm. I keep clicking him. The rankings just say, yeah, like he, he's fine. He makes sense, but he's, it's not like, oh, yeah. So, like, Miles Sanders was a guy who, um, you know, his ADP has started to get more efficient. But when we first started drafts, it was like, okay, my rankings have Miles Sanders. Like, <laughs> 50, 60 picks higher than than his ADP. Now that has changed a little bit. It's not like that scenario with, say, a Hollywood or a Darnell Mooney. But I've learned this through drafting. So you don't. I, I don't even think that people know like who they like, right? That's the thing. Like, oh, what players are you on? Who do you like? You may come into the drafts with a very different. You may. I like. Maybe I like Juju and I like uh, Schultz and I like Deshaun Watson. And then you get into the drafts and you finish 10, 15 drafts and you really don't have very much of those guys at all. So like, do you really actually like them or did you set out thinking you were going to like them? And then once the drafts played out, uh, you end up, you know, so, so on them. Well, now it's time to adjust the rankings those are the only way you figure that shit out is doing is doing the draft. So that's a hundred percent the first thing. Shout out, shout out, Kyle. Um, quick interlude. Vamo a la best ball. I took Spanish for four years in high school. <clears throat> Crushed it, A's every time, and. Don't remember a word. Literally not a single, like, I barely know any words in Spanish. I certainly cannot speak it. I cannot write it. And then, so I went to uh, an NAI school here local to me called McKendree University. Because uh, I was playing football. And then it was probably going to be till my senior year before I got onto the field. Like I was playing JV. I was dressing and stuff but I wasn't ever going to get on the field for the varsity. 
uh, like I said, until probably my senior year. And so I left after my sophomore year because I wanted to fucking play because the point of playing college football, like, and obviously I'm playing in NAI football. I wasn't going to the NFL. So I wanted to get on the field. So I transferred to a school called Illinois College, really fucking profound name, and uh, D3 school. And uh, when I transferred there, I took four years of, of Spanish in high school because I didn't want to freaking take it in college. That was the point. I'm going to waste my time. I wasn't the most engaged student ever. I'm going to waste my time and uh, push through these high school classes because then I won't have to take the foreign language in college. That worked my freshman and sophomore year at the school I was at. And then I transferred and it is mandatory at the school I'm at as a junior, Illinois College. And had to take uh, two semesters of, of Spanish. So take it again. Did well. Did so well, actually, that the final, you know, is like, I don't know how it was for, for you guys. Assuming some of you guys took Spanish or a foreign language. The final was to go in and just have a conversation in Spanish with the professor. And that is just the absolute stone fucking worst. I, I actually think it's a fine way to actually have a final, probably much better than all this stupid shit that happens at our schools. But man, as a 20 year old or whatever, that is an uncomfortable experience. And apparently I, I did well and I'll never forget walking out. And the uh, professor says, have you, have you thought about, uh, you know, like taking Spanish as a minor and maybe teaching in high school. And I was like, get the fuck out of here, dude. I'm just, I, all I'm trying to do is check this box off and go back and drink a beer, you know, play some video games. I'm, I'm only in college to <laughs> play sports. Um, so the span, uh, the, the Spanish stuff is always funny. Cause like I have to tell people, like I took five years of Spanish and I can't speak a goddamn lick of it can't write it i know enough words like to be dangerous when we go to mexico or something i have no enough words to like very vaguely comprehend somebody but i absolutely cannot cannot speak it yeah jacksonville illinois jacksonville illinois is where is where it's cool so i have no idea where i left off bollock uh derailed me with uh Sorry, that's a weird message. Uh, derailed me with the the Spanish talk. So this is another thing I think people actually should do. Tony says, I do my own rankings and I update them every Thursday. So exposures are crazy. Um, I think another part of being a good drafter is actually doing your own rankings. Like I said, okay, so you... Let's say, however you, however your process, I actually just start doing drafts before I do any rankings because it helps me do a lot of what we talked about. Uh, just start to figure out who I like, right? So I figured out really quickly that I like Gabriel Davis and I like Mike Williams and I like Saquon Barkley. And I like that because I'd done enough research, again, to be dangerous, but 
I just needed to hop in some drafts to start to figure some things out. And then I do that. I put together some rankings. Like, okay, here's my rankings. Now I have the rankings up. I just keep them up on, up on a screen. I don't up, I draft off of ADP. I don't upload rankings. Uh, that's actually something I stand like really firmly by is that I don't actually think you should upload the rankings onto the site. I actually think that's part of being a good drafter. So maybe we'll get to that in a second. So I, you do the rankings and then you keep drafting. And now maybe you have the rankings like with you while you're drafting, right? But you're going to find out where you were fucking lying to yourself in those rankings quick <laughs> when, when you do the draft. But the process of doing the rankings helps make you a better drafter because it it puts it in like it's on paper now that says, I said I like this guy better. And then you get into the draft and you're like, do I really? But do I really? Right? So like, there's a tier of wide receiver. Um, I don't remember this specific ADP, but uh, it's in the range of some of the guys I've already mentioned, right? You get Hollywood and you get Gabe Davis and you get Mike Williams and then you get Michael Thomas and you get, you know, some guys I'm not really drafting. You get those other guys and it's like, okay, you have to factor in ADP on your rankings and all of that and whatever, you know, hedge. Everybody's fucking hedging all the time in rankings and stuff. And you you put the rankings together and then you have them up there. And the top player on left on your rankings is, right? So I'm not really drafting Michael Thomas. <clears throat> so I'm using him as an example. He's the top guy on my rankings left in a draft. And I don't take him, <laughs> right? And so that's, it's like, well, fuck. Why is he the top? Why do I, I'd like... I probably need or want a wide receiver at that point. And I don't take them. So like you have to learn to like know yourself and figure that whole process out. And the only way to do it is by drafting. Um, yeah. Tom says nothing can make you angry. Like your own rankings. That is so spot on. <laughs> Like seriously, uh, so I haven't updated. Um, I- I'm going to be updating all of the Spike Week rankings fairly in in fairly short time. But I wanted to kind of let all this these first X amount of drafts like kind of percolate, if you will. Like the rankings are not what I would uh, draft off of now that are up on the site. But I want I want to make sure that I'm doing, uh, you know my due diligence, if you will, on uh, all these drafts. And like I said, I'm about 35 in on DraftKings and about 25 in on Underdog and I think 10 in on Drafters. And so <clears throat> I'm closer to a point where I feel like I do know kind of how I, how I would rank players. But again, go- <laughs> fuck hedging. I agree. Uh you have six hundred and twenty percent, Najee. Oh, 62 percent, Najee. We do appreciate you uh, winning a million last year and donating it all back this year by going all in on Najee. 
that's a good that's a good ambassador for the community. Wins a million and is going to dump thousands and thousands of dollars back into the back into the market for all of us knowing he's drafting a fucking shitty running back on 62% of his teams in the first round. That's that's awesome. Um yeah, I'm doubling back to this because Bullock says uh, Darrington was the guy after after the San Francisco 49ers that I planted my flag on, and that is true. <clears throat> I'm waiting to find those uh, flag plants for this year. I've already got I've I've already got uh, a few guys in 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 mind, but I mean. It's 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 mid May, and uh, we don't need to uh, go too crazy with our uh, Darrington level flag plants. So, developing our drafting skill, we just need to start drafting because there's natural attrition in. What you do, let's say you do 150 best ball mania drafts. A, you're gonna make mistakes, no one is perfect. There's gonna be teams you fuck up in there that are probably minus EV. You do run into that nine quarterback room and you screw it up, so you've drafted a dead team, or you know, you just make mistakes along the way, it happens. I draft half my teams like walking my dogs or cooking dinner or working and like writing an article or like, you know, doing different stuff. And sometimes you just screw it up. It happens. There's natural attrition. No one drafts 150 good teams into the tournament. Anyone that tells you they do is full of shit. So... You have attrition at the start where you're not a good drafter yet. And then you have attrition throughout the entire tournament where life gets in the way or you just make a wrong decision or it times out or your internet goes out, right? You have Pat Corain internet and you probably time out three times in every draft because the internet is so shitty, right? I mean, my internet isn't that good either. But Jesus Christ, Pat, if your internet is worse than mine, that's bad. So you're going to have natural uh, attrition. And so you better develop that skill in the best way possible. As I I think it was uh, Kyle said, like the $5 drafts are awesome for this. That's why, like I said, if I were going to try to uh, get better as a drafter, I would just be smashing this DraftKings $5 contest. And honestly, that's what I've been doing. I haven't been drafting that much on underdog. Actually, haven't been drafting on drafters because I'm just trying to develop my ability to... Now, ADPs are obviously different from site to site. You'll still have to be able to uh, you know, manipulate the underdog environment and the drafters environment and the FFPC environment. Another skill, understanding the... Uh, you know, kind of logistics of each site. But 
this DraftKings $5 has been the perfect thing for me, I think. And like, honestly, the perfect thing for the industry, for everybody to like learn how to attack this year of 2022. And that's what I've been doing. And so, like I said, uh, two weeks ago, I probably wouldn't have told you I was this high on Hollywood or Darnell Mooney or whoever. And then I just start to put it into practice and I realize, hmm, I'm drafting this dude a lot. And I can tell you in every single draft, if I didn't get DeAndre Swift, but I took Darnell Mooney, I can tell you, how do I get Hawkinson? How do I get Jamison Williams? How do I get um, Jamal Williams? How do I get DJ Chark? I can tell you how to put the, the correlations together. And it doesn't have to be with Justin Fields or Jared Goff, although I am drafting a lot of Justin Fields. It doesn't have to be. But I, because I've now done 35 of them, I can tell you every way to put together the team that I think you should put together, right? I get Darnell Mooney. I want to have some form of that game together on my team. It could just be two guys. It could even just be two bears. Maybe it's Mooney and Valus Jones. Maybe it's Mooney and Cole Komet. Maybe it's Mooney and Khalil Herbert. But I want to invest in that game. And I can, and I know how to do it. And it's once the Mooney pick happens, I know it and it's planned for. It's like pro, it becomes programmed in your brain, right? You start Cooper Cup literally twice today. Actually, the team that I finished when I started, when we started this stream was I took Cooper Cup 101. And that was the second time today I took Cooper Cup 101 on DraftKings. And instantly, you know, okay. I have Cooper Cup. I don't have to stack that game, but at a certain point, the Chargers are a priority. And that doesn't have to mean the first pick. That doesn't have to mean Keenan Allen is a 2-3 turn priority. In fact, for me, he absolutely is not. But if Mike Williams falls, I'm snapping him up. It doesn't mean Justin Herbert is a priority, but he might be. Isaiah Spiller, I'm deciding. Uh, I I started Cooper Cup and I have a zero RB team. Isaiah Spiller is available in the twelfth round. Would you pick Isaiah Spiller, or would you pick Rashad White on this team? You would pick Isaiah Spiller, and I know that because I've drafted enough teams to figure out exactly how I want to construct this team. If I took Christian McCaffrey, I would choose Rashad White. Because that makes sense on this team. And I know, and I can plan ahead, particularly drafting out of the 101, where you have the turn to really plan ahead to figure that out. And 100 is exactly what I was going to say. You also have Josh Palmer. You also have Gerald Everett. Ryan says it could be Everett in the 15th, 100%. And, that's, and then I took Cooper Cup. And maybe I punted tight end. So now Everett, now Everett makes even more sense on that team. Right? Uh, it maybe it just didn't work out with tight end. Maybe I wanted Hawkinson. Maybe I wanted Schultz. I wanted Goddard. 
I wanted Kittle, but it, it just didn't work out in this draft. And I didn't force a reach at tight end. So the next thing, you know, wide receivers are loaded feeling fine. You know, maybe I got stacks, whatever quarterback looks good. And I am weak at tight end, right? So I'm going to let, uh, that's fine. We're going to do three late tight ends on this team because of how it worked out. But because I took Cooper cup one Oh one, when I look at the late round tight ends, I'm going to take Gerald Everett over Robert Tunyon because he makes the most sense on this team. If I had Justin Jefferson on this team, I would take Robert Tunyon. When I have Cooper cup, I would take Gerald Everett, but planning that out ahead and additionally plan every decision that I've made, right? I took Cooper cup. And then at the turn, I took Saquon Barkley and T Higgins, right? So now I have my anchor running back and I have two wide receivers that set me up in a way that I'm probably not going to get any of the elite tight ends, just how it went, right? I'm not in a good spot. I can't get Kittle. I can't get Waller. Also end up in an awkward spot for like Schultz and Hawkinson and maybe even Goddard. And so you, but you know that you, cause you've developed that skill. And so now you're already planning ahead. Like, yep. Gerald Everett in the queue now. And the only, but the only way you develop that is by drafting and figuring that out is the most important thing. And that also outlines the way that we can figure out who fits into each structure, right? I just went through a structural example that was like, hmm, I ended up in an anchor running back team, which locked me out of elite tight ends. So I'm going to take three. I've decided I'm going to take three because of my first eight picks or whatever, I missed out all the on all those tight ends. So boom, 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 boom. I'm going to secure every other position. And now we're just going to give me, give me three late round tight ends, which I really like on DraftKings, by the way. Don't tell. Don't tell anyone that we're allowed to like Gerald Everett and Robert Tunyon and Irv Smith and Brevin Jordan and Hayden Hurst and uh, Evan Ingram. Don't tell anyone that we're, that we like those guys. But, like, if I took Travis Kelsey, this is a very different conversation, right? I got the 10th pick, took Travis Kelsey. Guess who I don't give a shit about? TJ Hawkinson on a Travis Kelsey team. I'm not saying never. I'm not saying you should never draft right there. I know that the people love the, love the bully strategies, right? A, a bully tight end strategy, which is like... I do laugh every time somebody says, I'm going to I'm gonna go bully tight end. It's like... In your 12-team league, your bully tight end team, that might be an advantage. Guess where it's not an advantage? In week 17. Because your seventh-round pick at tight end when you have Travis Kelsey is probably not, probably not helping you. Is it possible he helped you? Sure. Is it likely? No. <laughs> so I, lo- I, love, I love the bully tight end bros. <clears throat> but because I have developed my skill of drafting, I know when, as Ryan says, Everett is a smash in the 15th. 
I do think Everett is a smash in the 15th in most structures. However, I know when he becomes like, right? When I have Cooper Cup, or maybe you like Cam Akers. I don't really like Cam Akers, but if you like Cam Akers, took Cam Akers in the third, need a second, a first, a third tight end. So who do you decide between? Gerald Everett, Robert Tunyon. You decide between Gerald Everett, but you've developed that ability with a 30-second clock to think, boom. Like, I know that. Or the moment you make the Rams pick, you it's already, like, ingrained in your brain that I want to optimize for Week 17. And so you don't even, you don't even like, think about it, you know? And the only way you can do that is by drafting and, like, forcing yourself to be thoughtful during those moments. And so um, that... I'm sure there's a ton of other, you know, skills and ways we can develop the skill. But I think <clears throat> I, I really do think that this is if I were to like outline an edge, the edge, it's not strategy. It's definitely not structure. It's definitely not any specific player take. It is every room I get into. I draft a team that is live to win $2 million. If you can draft 150 plus EV lot with win equity teams, you are the best best ball player on, on the planet. Better than Liam. Better than me. Sorry, Tony. Better than Tony. Because we all, no one does. But it, that's the goal. That's the goal. And and we all have different definitions of what that means, right? I'm outlining some of this. Maybe you don't believe in week seven, the week 17 stuff. I, th- I, I believe really passionately actually that the, that the week 17 stuff is an edge, but maybe you don't. And it's something else. Maybe it's week 16 or maybe it's, uh, uh, just team, uh, like team stacking type stuff. You think I got Cooper cup. So now my my biggest edge is my bet on the Rams. I think that's fine too. I don't, you know, we can disagree on the specifics, but whatever your thing is, what things, because there's obviously multiple. Because if I start a zero RB team, I need to know. I, I need to know in the ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th round, Who's going to be there for me? And then not only who is going to be there for me, who makes the most sense on that team? People talk about who makes the most sense for a, a zero RB team. They don't, they don't ever talk about who makes the most sense for that zero RB team. That was the biggest advantage. Um, Peter Overzet and I drafted a team. You're going to hear more about this and you guys are going to fucking deal with it. But Top 10, we finished top 10 in Best Ball Mania last year with a zero RB team. Our first running back pick was actually Raheem Mostert, which is really funny. We drafted a, we literally had zero RBs through eight rounds because our first running back came in the eighth round and he got hurt in like the first quarter of the season. But we actually on a stream outlined 
this drafting and decision-making process. We came to a 10th or 11th round pick and there were multiple zero RB targets there. We said who, which running, we know we, a running back makes the most sense for us here. So we were skillful enough to figure out that we needed a running back, which is like shocker. You drafted a zero RB team. You only have one running back in the 11th round, probably a good spot for a running back, but we were trying to decide between players. And we actually specifically outlined this and it was James Conner versus somebody. And on that team, we had a Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, and Pollard, actually. Uh, we had drafted Pollard, so maybe this was our third running back. Anyway, we had a Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb stack. And so if you're deciding between James Conner and Melvin Gordon, you take James Conner because they were last year those that didn't play last year the cowboys and the cardinals played in week 17 and <clears throat> so connor makes them perfect sense on that team but we only figure that out through lots and lots and lots of of drafts and then we made every subsequent decision thereafter right we end up with a mac jones team and we draft hunter henry I think we took, I think we took, I think Henry first. We had Kyle Pitts as our tight end one. We took Hunter Henry as our tight end two. And then quarterback, we kind of got ran out of quarterback two, but that's fine. Look, we already have Hunter Henry. Guess what? We take Mac Jones. Now we have another stack on our hands, which very ironically, we used Mac Jones score in week 17 over Dak Prescott in this game we were excited about, Cardinals. Uh, Cowboys. But then we get to week 18, or week 18. Then we get to round 18, and we're figuring out our last pick, right? And everybody, there's so much. Here's another draft skill. Everybody loves to say, yeah, they're just 17th and 18th round picks. They all bust. Your hit rate is so low. So who cares? That is bullshit. Total bullshit. Those, that is both factual and bullshit. Those picks are some of the most important that you make in the entire draft. Maybe the most important. Because, because they all miss so much, when you hit, the payoff is the, the the payoffs are outsized when you hit on those picks. So you need to be good at making those picks. And it's not good in terms of, I like this player better, Darrington Evans. <laughs> you need to be good within that draft, your draft skill, in identifying which late round players make the most sense on your team, given your structure, given your strategy, given the stacks you have, given your positional strengths and weaknesses, who is the right fit on that team? And on that team that Peter and I drafted, and we got to the 18th round, and we had a zero RB team, and we had a Patriots stack. And so at that time, Sony Michelle was still on the Patriots, but we outlined during that show that A, we need a we're, we're weak at running back. 
B, we've made a bet on the Patriots. C, Sony Michelle helps with the bet on the Patriots, but he also has contingent value getting traded somewhere else because there was trade speculation on Sony Michelle at that point. And if we really want to go down the next rabbit hole is he wasn't getting drafted at that point in time. After he got traded, he got bumped up to like an 11th round pick. But at that point in time, he was not getting traded. So we we stacked up all these things as to why Sony Michelle was the right pick on that team. He's not the right pick on every team. But on that team, we had developed the skill to identify the right person to target on that team. And then is it luck or you know just running good that Sony Michelle gets traded to the Rams and is like a total smash? Yeah, it is. But guess what? If you're skillful in your drafts, the run good ends up it, – it's funny that the best players end up with the best luck, right? The people that say it's all luck, that, that maybe they should just draft a little bit better <laughs> because when you draft skillfully and you draft smart teams – like that, like that team lost its RB one on a zero RB team. And as Ryan says, let's get our running back started with some guaranteed touches with Mostert. And we were excited about Mostert. I was on the 49ers. I was big into the 49ers. I love everything about the upside. And as you said, the guaranteed touches on that structure of a team that Mostert provided. And guess what? First quarter of the season, See ya. Done. Out for the year. But if you figure out how to put the pieces together, right, that team had Tony Pollard, who provided multiple, even with Zeke not getting hurt, provided multiple weeks that helped us. That team had Alexander Madison that provided multiple weeks with Dalvin Cook being out. That team had James Conner, which provided weeks, constant weeks, even with Edmonds. And then without Edmonds, elite production weeks and then that team had Rashad Penny who came on late in the year and was a must-have and that team had Sony Michelle who came on late in the year as a workhorse and you just stack up the bets but because it's because the only reason we were able to put that team together was because we have drafted enough teams and developed that skill to identify okay this this team needs James Conner, not Melvin Gordon. This team needs Rashad Penny, not Naheem Hines. This team needs Sony Michelle, not Quadri Allison. <laughs> right? And so um it's just one example. This wasn't, you know, this wasn't Liam's winning team. This wasn't Tony's winning team. But I think it's a really good example of a team that we gave ourselves a shot Come week 17, obviously we got to week 17 with a strong team and we gave ourselves a shot when we got there because, and it, I, I, I fully believe it was, it wasn't, it wasn't player selection. We drafted CeeDee Lamb and Keenan Allen at the two, three turn. We'd have, we drafted Devonte Adams 102 overall. We drafted Dak, Dak Prescott. Was he great? No. Kyle Pitts. Was he, was Kyle Pitts a good fourth round pick? Absolutely not. The player selection was frankly shitty. <laughs> We actually did a very bad job. Devontae was fine. CD, not good. Keenan, not good. Kyle Pitts, not good. Dak, probably not good. Mostert, not good. 
we actually did a horrible job at player selection, but because we're skillful drafters in terms of putting together a team, we were able to, we were a lot, we were live to win best ball mania too. Obviously we did not, but we were right there. Also shout out MVS Marquez Valdez Scantling was on that team. He's on a lot of my teams this year. So, um, last thing we'll just touch on super, super briefly. Hey, Ryan, Ryan says no team needs quadrials and a uh, hundred emoji reply to that. The only other thing I think, you know, there's certainly tons of other, well, this conversation will come up plenty throughout the off season, but I just wanted to highlight it a little bit today. And there's, there's certainly plenty of things that I did not cover. Um, so if, 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 if you're watching and you have maybe some ideas about some different things, drop those in the comments. Um, Cause I would love to hear other people's kind of maybe some micro strategies for being a good drafter. The only other thing to wrap up that I will say is um, the different sites, actually GA I'm going to hit GA's point, but without Dak, do you get Pollard and Connor? Bingo. God damn it. Put that put that in the fucking Louvre. Exactly. We took Dak. Was Dak the best seventh round pick or whatever we took him? I think we took him at like the six, seven turn. Was Dak the best early seventh round pick? Fuck no. But but because we took Dak, we got Pollard and Connor. Connor specifically, league winner. And the only reason that happened is because we were able to smartly construct a team. Not that, right? Like you said, without Dak, do we take Connor? Maybe, but maybe not. Right? If we don't, and if we don't take CD, if we, if we, if we don't take a player we, that was wrong, <laughs> CD, we don't end up with Dak. And in turn, we don't end up with Connor. Right? So it's just funny how that works where, Everybody spends all year, I do too, talking about specific players, strategies, and all of that when all it really comes down to is drafting a smart team. Knowing how to knowing how to get into any room and draft a team that gives you first place equity. That's all that really matters. And maybe that does happen more in morning drafts. As Tony, as Tony says, um, only other thing I was just going to say super quickly is especially as this game grows, we're going to get so many more tournaments across many more sites. Right now, we already have right underdog DraftKings, drafters and FFPC. You have cash games on Yahoo and FanDuel. I'm hoping and thinking maybe that they get into the tournament space. We'll see. But. Each site has its own unique little variables, right? A, drafters is very different because it is cumulative scoring. The, the tournament structure forces you into uh, different things in terms of how to draft a good team. And you need to know that. And so being a, a fantasy football analyst or a, you know a fantasy football pro or whatever, like, doesn't necessarily mean anything on drafters if you're good on underdog because being good on underdog requires different skills than being good on drafters and so 
identifying the differences between the sites. Obviously that one's very easy to identify, but like say DraftKings, we know inherently that DraftKings drafts are a little bit softer. The ADPs are softer on DraftKings, but so how do you take advantage of that? Because they're softer for every good player. So how do you get into your draft and figure out how to gain your edge on DraftKings, right? FFPC has tight end premium. How do you figure out how to do that? And so um, focusing in on all these little different nuances that allow you to be a good drafter, I really, really believe that that's like the most important thing you can do, right? It could be, how do I manipulate a room when somebody takes nine fucking quarterbacks? How do I manipulate a ship chasing room when 11 of the 12 first round picks are wide receivers? How do I manipulate drafters where it's a cumulative scoring format and maybe people are still drafting like it's underdog and it's full PPR? How do I do DraftKings where it's full PPR uh, playoff format with bonuses and awful ADPs? Developing all of those skills is what will take you to the promised land. And like zero RB versus robust RB versus all that is you need to know those things. But the most important thing is being able to hop into a draft and build a team that can win first place, no matter what happens in your draft. It's also the hardest thing to do. Anyone we're talking about fucking fantasy football. We love to make this sound like it's way more complicated than it is, but anybody can learn zero rb robust rb playoff schedules and correlation matrices and stupid shit like that anybody can learn that i could teach my dogs that but they can't not everybody can get into a draft and make win equity teams with win equity no matter what happens and limit their attrition on their entries into that contest. So uh, this was a lot of fun. I love talking about these silly, eh, not silly is not the right word. These like a micro little strategy things that nobody like really kind of like seems, seems to talk about. Um, That's a lot of fun. Ryan says, uh, I think the more I do each year, the better I get at reading my room and reading my opponents. Like, Oh, this guy has an elite tight end and no quarterback. I'm next to them. Let me grab my quarterback here. 100%. That's part of it too, right? We didn't even talk about that. Maybe we'll do a follow-up to this on some other um, kind of skills, like looking, literally looking at your opponent's teams and trying to predict what they might do and so that you can extract as much value from that team, right? That's another one. And so there's all these different little variables. Um, and like I said, these are, the, these, are the fun, these are the fun conversations for me, which tells you about how big of a both a nerd and a sicko I am. So tomorrow I'll be back here. Same time, 5 PM Eastern uh, to draft the team. We're going to get back into the draft in streets two days in a row without a draft. That's too long. So Fridays are drafts. Um, like I said, 5 PM Eastern. Thank you guys for joining. I will see you guys tomorrow. Go Celtics tonight. We got big money on the Celtics futures. Go blues. Go Blues tonight for my fellow St. Louisans. And uh, hopefully we can get two W's and be back uh, 
drafting very happily tomorrow and not drowning our sorrows for the best ball draft. I'll catch you guys later. Peace.